Good morning. All right. Dude, I love it. Get excited about something, right? I'm, I'm an Angel fan. That's not much for me to get excited about. I don't know, Dodger fans, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. I, you know, hopped the train a little bit. I got on the, the, the L.A. Dodger thing, so uh, maybe next year. But now you know how I feel as an Angel fan. But, dude, loving Jesus and clapping for him. I've seen people at athletic events high-fiving, jumping up and down, throwing popcorn, beer flying all everywhere. I've seen all that. But in the church, I don't know what it is. We get quiet. We're like, well, we don't want to wake God up or something. I don't know. Just, man, there's too much life to be lived, right? Glad that you're here. Worship time is awesome. I love Mark and his team just doing an amazing job. And um, I'm so glad he mentioned that he wrote that song for us to worship to while he was in Israel. That, in Israel, that is awesome. So say thank you to all of, our, all of our people that are bringing us into this special place of worship. Hey, I am jazzed about the message that God has put on my heart. You know, I've been in a series through Hebrews chapter 11 and Exodus. We're going to look at 12, 13, and 14 today. It's an old familiar story about the Israelites passing through the Red Sea. But I just believe God has something for you. God just gave me this word this week. So we're going to get to that in a second. So if you have your Bibles or your app, your Bible app, if you have the MVCC app, by the way, you can have access to the Bible on your phone, which is really cool. You just uh, pop it in there and uh, the Holy Bible will come up and you can follow along there. We also have it on the screen, so it'll be here. But before we get to the word um, this morning, this some things on my heart I wanted to share with you. So this is just a little bit of family time for us here today. If you're a guest here today, um, you're with us. Uh, we don't hobby horse on money. That's not the focus of why we're here. Although definitely it's a part of our lives. There's one thing that Jesus talked a lot about was money. And so um, I just want to let you know where we're at as far as our giving uh, at this point in uh, the year of our uh, budget that we prayed about. And we ask um, always for prayer and all that and participation. I want to let you know where we are so that you can pray about it. And certainly we want to be at a really good place where ministry is just flowing. Amen. A couple of things that um, I know that the last two years have been extremely, extremely difficult on all of us. In, the regard, in regards to the economy, there's some trends that are going on that I just wanted to make mention of here. I know that retail stores um, will continue to decline in sales. I don't remember the last time I've been in a mall. Just, everything's online, right? Amazon, it's all there. Um, social interaction will continue to change. We know that. It's changed probably forever. This is just different now. Um, schools may never be the same. I'm talking about public schools now. Um, and, and that's, that's a really difficult thing. I just, I am so glad that we have a preschool here on campus. We also have an after-school daycare here with about 300 children that run around this place all day long and after school, a program. We have a safe place for kids to learn the Bible, to most of all experience God here with a staff that loves them. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, we also have a second campus just over the hill where we have kindergarten all the way through eighth grade. It's a Christian school. It's our ministry school with over 500 students there. And they get to pray, bring their Bible. The teachers love God and they're being discipled. And it's under strong leadership as our preschool is. I'm just grateful. But the reality is our schools will probably not be the same for a while. Um, there are many questions about the current state of our schools. Would you agree? So um, we want to keep that going strong. Um, remote work will become more commonplace. You know, more people, as you know, are working from home. You might be one of them now that's working from home most of the time. And there's just more of a kind of a stay-at-home culture. It's just changed. Um, and so this is what we 
are experiencing now, small businesses may continue to suffer. And um, that's just kind of the reality. I know there's a lot of you that are business owners, and it's a difficult time right now. I, I say all that to say this then. We don't follow trends, okay? Meaning, if we're Christ follower, we don't, we don't freak out because of what's happening out there in the economy. The stock market's falling, it's rising. We, it, it, it makes no difference to those of us who follow Jesus. We follow the word of God, right? And the, what the spirit is saying to the church, what God is saying to us, that's where we get our directive. That's where we want to be listening and most of all following. So I, I want to let you know that, um, just remind us that we're on God's mission here. Until Jesus comes, that's never changing because his word never changes. And it's simply reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ and making disciples who then make disciples. It's always about people. We want to bring as many people as possible to faith in God, to meet God for the first time, and then secondly, to grow in our relationship with Jesus and then help others to find that same journey. And so when I say that, that is a we statement. That's not Pastor Mike or the elder team shepherds or our pastoral ministry team here. We don't do our job. Our role comes from Ephesians chapter four is to help equip you. So we're doing that together. There's people in your world that you can reach. I can't reach them. There's people in my world that God's given me that hopefully I can reach. And together we're doing this. Finances are a play in that because, as you know, a portion of our budget that's budgeted every year goes towards uh, the building, the property. Thank God we have a facility to, to worship in, to meet in, to have studies and groups and youth ministries and children's ministry. We even have, during the week, we have a, a 55 and older group called Young at Heart. We want to take care of those in their retirement years. So there's just a lot going on. And I just want to say the bottom line is always about people. When you give financially, it's for our staff so that we have time to pour into you and the ministry of service like this and reaching, helping you to reach our community. And that, man, I have a passion. We have got to be a strong arm, a loving arm in the community that we live in. This is not, this is not like a holy huddle here. This is not like we just get our praise on and church on and we had a good Sunday, so praise God and I just go live my life. It's, it, this is an outpouring of now, God, what do you want me to do during the week? Agreed? So a portion of our, 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 our finances, the giving your generosity that comes in, goes to the property, it goes to our staffing, it goes to ministry, as I mentioned, children's youth, all the things that go on during the week. But I will tell you the very first fruits, and we've had a conviction about this forever, goes towards reaching others globally, but also locally here. So 10% of everything that comes in goes back into the community. Some people say, well, you know, I give to a homeless program and then I give a little bit to the church because I really want to reach people who are on the streets. And I would say this, through our missions, the first 10%, part of that goes to reaching people on the streets and feeding children and, and doing things like that. So your giving encompasses all of that. Does, does that make sense? Yes. My wife and I, from the moment we got married, we just said, God, we're so grateful for everything that you've given us. Everything I have, God, is yours. And I'm grateful for it. So, Lord, it's all yours anyway. So I'm, what do you want me to do with it? Well, in Malachi chapter 3, God made it really, really simple for us. In fact, it's the only place in Scripture, I'm sorry, twice, that God said this. Test me in this. I dare you to give me the first fruits of your income back to me. And I will give you so much blessing that chapter 3 says, you will not have enough room to store it. 
And that blessing comes in so many different forms. So my, I will just open up and be honest with you that my wife and I, we've always just, Lord, maybe before I was a pastor, we did this. I'm giving 10% to you. It's going to you. But then he said the local storehouse. And we just did a four-week series on this a couple months ago about getting our financial house in order so that we can give to God and be happy about it. So we've always just done that. I will tell you, our ministry team here, our elder team, everybody gives 10%. Not, there's no guilt. There's no have to. We want to do that. And this is the way I look at it. God saved me because he loves me and his grace is for free. Jesus died on that cross so that I could have life. So why would I hold anything back from God? So this is not anything of guilt or anything. I just wanted to let you know where we're at, what we stand on in the word and what we practice here at MVCC. We are running right now about $4,000 short every week in everything I just shared with you. So um, we want to be definitely in a better place. So here's what I'm just asking you to do. Number one is, and there's no guilt, there's no have to. I, I want you to want to give because God is good. And he's just, he's just going to do good things. We've over the years seen this time and time again. So there's three things I'd like to ask you to do. Number one, if you're single here and you want to be married, pray for a spouse. No, I, I just, number one is I want you to really pray about, Lord, if I'm single and I have this one income, I want to honor it with you. I want to start biblical principles in my life now before I get married. If you are married, I want to ask you the same thing, to go and pray about your finances and not just about, Lord, what would you have me give? But Lord, I want to do my finances the way you told me to. And so online, there's a gift for you. If you were here a while ago, you know it comes from Dave Ramsey. We bought that for you. It's 150, 130 bucks worth of material that just teaches us about how to get out of debt, how to stay out of debt, and how to be able to give and be happy about it. It's such good stuff. And also how to, how to have a savings and retirement and all that stuff. It's just good stuff. So you can get that online on our website. But that's the second thing I want to ask you to do here. If your MVCC is your home, this is your church place, and this is your family, I, I really want to ask you to step up and just say, you know what, Mike, we're, we're, we agree with God's word. We're just going to give 10% of our income back to the Lord, and it goes to the, our storehouse. This is our local church, and we're just going to trust God with it. If you're here and you're not giving anything, you can still come here. That's not, that's not like a prerequisite. But I just want to ask you to pray about giving back regularly to God financially. I just want to close with these two things and then we'll get into the word. We have a men's uh, study here that um, I have the privilege of participating with a couple other guys. And we meet every Saturday morning. Guys are welcome. It's from 8 to 9. And it's so good. We're just going straight through the New Testament together. One of the guys comes up to me and says, hey, Pastor Mike, would you pray for me? I said, of course, man. Pray for whatever you need. He said, I've got this thing going on physically. I've got this disease. And so my uh, uh, insurance company said it's going to cost $30,000 and they're not paying it. So I gotta, I, I'm on a single income. He's a single parent. And so he's, I, I, I can't do this. Could you pray? I said, yeah, let's just grab hands and let's just agree, man. So we prayed. A week later, he comes back and he says, I got a notice from my insurance company. They're paying for it. That's, that's all God. That's all God. And he said, please don't mention my name. I said, okay, I won't do that because God gets, he wanted God to get all the favor and glory. But here's the thing that's really cool. And I did not know this until he asked me to pray for him. He said, the time I was a little kid, my parents took me to church. I've give, given my life to Jesus 68 years ago. And he says, I've always given 10% of my income to God. And I just need to tell you, I believe that's a direct result of blessing that comes because I've just honored God and I don't have much. He doesn't. He lives in an apartment by himself. And he says, I just, whatever I get, I give 10% back to the Lord and I live on the rest. 
30,000 bucks, God took care of all that. I believe that. I believe God does that stuff. One other quick thing. There's a guy who's retired, um, comes to our men's group study. His mom was passing away. He took care of his mom for like two years, right over the hill here in Mission Viejo. Family like fights and arguments and stuff and just really sad stuff. They had a lot of family breakup. And he came to me, similar situation. He said, I just need to tell you my mom's passing. Could you come see her? Absolutely, man. So we just went and visited her. And he shared with me through just his life because we're doing life together through life groups. He said, um, we've always had this family rift. We're just having separation and division for over the years. He said, you know what, Mike? He said, all of a sudden, our families come back together. And he said this, same thing. He says, I've always just given 10% back to God. And so why I bring that up is not about the people. It's about the heart and generosity. And God can bless in so many different ways. We don't ever want to put God in a box. So I just want to ask you to take that and, and, and pray about it. And uh, I just am believing God's going to do some wonderful things in the future here. We've got to think about our generation coming up behind us. It's not just about these chairs here that we sit in. It's about the future generations that are going to be coming here that we want to pour into and leave something of legacy of faith behind for this next generation. Amen? Yeah, amen. So we're all going to do well with that. And I'm excited about that. Thank you for listening to that. That's where we're at, and we want to be in a much better place, and I'm confident that God's going to do it. It's his church, right? We're just along for the ride. All right, I want you to have this unshakable faith in Jesus Christ. There's one thing that we need today. It's faith in Jesus alone, man. Our country, we need, once again, the Savior. We need to come back to Jesus and come back to biblical principles. Do you agree? And one of the things that we have a strong conviction about here at Missionville Christian is the power of prayer. So this Tuesday night is worship and prayer night. And we just take an entire hour and we just worship. And most of all, prayer goes together with worship. Now, I just want to say this. If you've never been to one of these, I really want to ask you to come. It's once a month, the last Tuesday of every month. We have children's ministry for your child. If you come late, it doesn't matter. We set it up in a way where there's just interactive kind of things in prayer. So you can, if you're coming late from work, just come. If you're, you have to leave early, it's totally fine. But I will say this. You come to one of these things and all these people that are praying and worshiping, there's power in the house. We have seen people who have gotten healed, that God has spoken to them in decision. God has helped give clarity to somebody who had situations, all kinds of stuff going on. I just, things come out of these, these prayer gatherings and it's not necessarily everything happens right in that hour, but things happen when we pray. And Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, everybody, everybody's welcome. And so we're going to do that Tuesday night at 7. I really want you to come, and there's no, there's no guilt or intimidation. I just want you to experience some freedom that God has available to all of us. So that's, that's prayer night. Um, also, um, baptism Sunday is on Halloween. I, I got a, um, an email. This is so funny. I got an email. I love, I love the fact that the, the question came, but I was kind of stuck about it. He says, um, what are you guys doing on Halloween? Do you guys have worship? I said, yeah, it's on Sunday. We, of course we are. And I'm thinking about that. This is a way, man, to kick the devil in the pants, dude, on Halloween. We're going to worship Jesus Christ on harvest. So here's the cool, here's the better thing. If you haven't been baptized yet, this is your Sunday. Halloween, we don't call it all death day. It's all life's day. We're going to, Jesus is going to take over that. But this would be a great Sunday to get baptized, man. So right at the connection point, you can just find uh, Pastor Robert and we'll get you going on that. And let's just do it, man. Let's just give our lives to Jesus and just go for it and risk. That's what I want to talk about today is risk. 
I want you to have an unshakable faith, but I want you to be able to with me. I'm learning this stuff, and we are learning together to, to step out and take a risk. So Hebrews 11 is a powerful chapter about people, men and women who have gone before us in the years, and they took a risk in faith. It wasn't a blind faith. They heard from God. They know God's word, and they stepped out on the word of God, and God did some amazing stuff. Back in the day when I was playing tennis over here at the Marguerite Tennis Center, Greg Luganis and some other um, Olympic divers, they had an Olympic training center right over here. You've seen those three towers that are right there by Casa del Sol. It's only half a mile from here. And so um, one day he says, he comes over, because we talk to these guys all the time, playing tennis all day. That's all we did, just play tennis, just grind it out. And so they came over and we'd see them all the time. Hey, Greg, how's it going? He says, you guys want to jump off the platform? I said, the, 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 the highest one? <laughs> He said, yeah, yeah, we'll just have, you guys come on over. We'll, we'll jump off of it. So I don't know if you've seen that one right over here. When you leave, you might just want to take a detour over here. It's really high. And I will tell you, I, am not, I do not like heights. I'm not like the guy that thrill seeks. I'm not like jump out of a plane, you know, climb Mount Whitney. I just, I just don't like it. Even talking about it now, my hands are getting sweaty. So about three or four of us, you know, we dropped our rackets and we said, yeah, cool, we'll go. Inside, I'm like, God, please come now. Something happened. I don't have to do this. So... My friends jump off, and it's my chance to stand up on the top. We went to the top one. It is high up there. When you're standing, it doesn't look that high from here. And I remember standing there, my friend, as I was watching him, he goes, he's looking over with his toes over the end. He goes, should I go? Should I go now? And we're like, yeah, go now, go now. Should I go? Yeah, go now. And I think about that visual, that the people who have gone before us, they're in heaven, man. They're with the Lord. And they are cheering us on. Go now. Risk now. Step out in faith now. Don't hold back anything from God. Don't hold your heart back. Give me everything. That was Moses. Just a little bit of background before we read 28 to 30. Moses was the prince of Egypt, man. He had everything. He was the successor to the Pharaoh. He had fame, he had fortune, he had money, he had position, he had power. He had learned the ways of the Egyptian, the wealthiest group of people on the face of the earth during that time. They ruled everything. And Moses, remember the story about being thrown out there in the middle of the Nile? His parents had faith and trust. They put him in a basket. Pharaoh's daughter saw him, takes him home. He's now raised in the ways of Pharaoh. And he's learning all of this stuff for the first 40 years of his life. And he hears from God, even though he's a Hebrew, he's, he's a Jewish person, he is now hearing from God that I need to take you out of your comfort zone. I need you to step out in faith and risk, man. And so he does. He leaves his comfort zone and he goes out for a wandering with God alone for 40 years. And he has a faith in God that is unshakable. And he meets God in the middle of that desert. Do you remember this on the burning bush? Remember Charlton Heston, the Ten Commandments? He hears God's voice through the burning bush. And as he hears God's voice, the first response is, I can't go and tell the Pharaoh to let the people go. You got the wrong guy. I haven't been to Bible college. I haven't been to Bible school. I don't know all this stuff. I can't. In fact, the word says in Hebrew, he stuttered. He couldn't even speak right. And as he's reminding God of all of his failures, God is saying, I got you. No, I didn't make a mistake. You're the man. 
I need you to go and deliver my people. Now, there's a bigger story to the backstory. You got to think on a timeline. When Abraham, which we looked at last week, was uh, he and Sarah had Isaac. Do you remember that sacrifice, that whole scene? God was preserving a nation of people up until Moses' day. Now Moses is carrying the baton on through all the prophets, David and all these guys, all the way up until Jesus being born in year one. When Jesus was born into the world, it was the birth of salvation to your life. All of humanity now can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have to mention the backstory of what we're going to read about. When God tells Moses to go and deliver my people, there was a reason for that. You. He knew you'd be sitting in this room right now, thousands of years ago, thousands of generations, all the way back. And so when he says, I want you to take my people because they are going to be there and have been in slavery for 430 years. I've heard their cries. I'm ready to rescue them now. The timing had to be right. Moses, you're the man. I need you to step out in faith and tell them, I am who I am, God said. There is no limit to God's name. When you ask, well, who should I say and set me and set my people free? You tell them, I am who I am, God, period. I can just sense something, even in this moment now, I just sent the sense that there's some people that need to get set free. I don't think that we have been reminded much that you are free because of Jesus Christ. When God told Moses, now here's what I want you to do, Israel. The angel of death is coming over. Pharaoh had 10 plagues that were sent to him. And let it never ever be said that God is not a God of killjoy. He doesn't want to to, to destroy nations. He doesn't want to destroy people. God is a God of love and compassion and mercy. But he gave 10 chances to to Egypt through Pharaoh. And he said, you've got to let these people go. And I'm going to send this plague on you until you bend, man, until you humble yourself. It took 10 times till finally he said yes. And the last one was the firstborn child would die. It's tragic. It's tragic what sin and pride will do to a person, especially when a leader is sinful and prideful and full of himself or full of herself. So Moses, tell my people, man, you got to take the little lamb. You're going to have to sacrifice it in the temple of my people, that tabernacle that I set up so people would worship me. And then you're going to take that blood and you're going to post it over the doorpost of every home. Tell every leader, every father, every mother, I want you to put the blood over the doorpost because that will be a sign when the angel of death comes, he will pass over your house and your child will be spared. We got to protect that bloodline of Israel. You with me? We have to protect Israel. Right now, we should have been praying for Israel. Israel has always been that tiny little nation to be connected. And God has protected that little country there because God has a plan still with Israel. We are a part of that. It's beautiful how God's tapestry just plays out through the entire uh, uh, books of, of Genesis to Rev, uh, uh, all the way to Revelation. So let's pick it up now with the background in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verses 28 to 30, and then we're going to let this unfold for the next few minutes. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood. We talked about that. So that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Right? We got that? There's a reason. There's a purpose. Just trust me. Put this blood over the doorpost. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. Here's the next one we're going to look at as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell at the army that had marched around them for seven days. What the blood 
did on the doorpost for Israel in salvation of their children, the blood of Jesus does for you. The angel of death cannot pass over. It passes over you now. You know, we physically have to die. I'm not looking forward to that, but that's the reality. One out of one's going to die. Here's the question. Where are you going? Am I so confident that I know I'm going to be in heaven with God? I wasn't. I didn't know that. I, I knew I had done dumb things, stupid things, sinful things in my life. So when I was posed the question, do you know where you're going? I, I, I don't know. I started stuttering on my inside. I was like, I, 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 I did all these bad things. I did stuff that I, I shouldn't have never done. No, I won't get into heaven. The gospel is so simple. The cross of Jesus, the blood of Jesus forgives us for everything we've ever done wrong. Every thought, every deed done, forgiven. And what he's saying here is that the blood over the doorposts, Exodus chapter 12 now, let's just go to 23 to 20 real quick. Exodus chapter 12, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions. Here's where faith comes in. Gotta obey me as a lasting ordinance for you and for your descendants When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as a promise, observe this ceremony. And when your children, here's the cool part, when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? If you have kids, grandkids, someday you want to have kids, and you want to have a faith that's unshakable so that you're teaching your children about what faith in Jesus Christ is. Everybody gets a choice. Everybody has a choosing. And we want our kids to choose Christ, but we got to give them faith so they have something to choose from. Amen? Then tell them this, it's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. Tell them this, man, who passed over the houses of Israel and Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and they worshiped. The Israelites did what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down at the firstborn of Egypt and the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat down on the throne as the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing, the saddest part of the scripture in Egypt for all, there was not a house without someone dead. Sad, sad. The blood of Jesus did for Israel, the blood of Jesus does for you. You are forgiven, you have been given authority You do not have to live according to how everyone else lives. You have been given authority and power inside of you because of the Holy Spirit. Listen to 1 Corinthians 5, 7, which says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. 1 John 5, 13, I have written these things to you who believe that you may know you have received eternal life. It's not arrogance. It's not overconfidence. It's confident in him. I know where I'm going, man, when I die. And that's a great place to live. That's a great way to live. So God not only gives you the blood of Jesus for power for eternity, but he gives you power now. Anyone here stuck? Is there anyone here that's stuck in a situation? Is there anyone here? I guess I'm the only one. Is there anyone here who feels like they're stuck? Is there anyone here that's looking at something that seems so impossible? God, oh God, oh God, I can't do this. And the power of the blood of Jesus Christ can break those strongholds. We have strongholds over our city. There's strongholds that are over families. There are strongholds over all kinds of addictions and problems and issues. And no, the devil doesn't do all of it. We have a fine way of getting ourselves in a mess and those strongholds from the devil lock onto us, right? Question is, how do we break them? They are breakable. 
those things are breakable. I hear time and time again, it pains me from believers who say, well, this is just the way life is. But this is the way it's supposed to be. I guess I'm just destined for this. I can't get over this addiction. I can't get over depression. I can't get over problems. There are spiritual strongholds that God, I just want to say this. I don't want to get too far ahead of something here, but God's waiting on us. Step in faith and risk. Well, I'll look stupid if I pray in tongues. I'll look stupid if I, if I, if I, if I just step out and anoint my house with oil. I'll look dumb if I just have faith and just trust God and it seems like I'm not doing it. The rest of my family will just think I'm weird. So be it. It's okay. When did God ever ask somebody to do something in the Bible that didn't look crazy? <laughs> we learned about Noah. Building an ark in the middle of nowhere, 120 miles from ocean. He's building this ark for 120 years. People passing by. Dude, you're nuts. Let's take you into the mental world. There's something wrong with you. Which leads us to number one. God is absolutely committed. If you're taking notes, these are provided for you. God is absolutely committed to your freedom. I, I want you to know that. He is committed to you being free. Spiritually free. Financially free emotionally free, physically. God, God can do the amazing, man. If there's one thing I want for my kids when I leave this earth, I want them to know that God can. God can do anything. The blood of Jesus is for everybody. Whether a black, white, rich, poor, red, yellow, economic status, sexual orientation, God loves everyone and he wants everyone to change. He wants everyone to come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's a soul inside of that person. It doesn't matter to me what you've done. It's all sin to God. God can redeem any person. Look, either we believe in redemptive theology or we don't. Well, those types of people can't come to our church. They can't come to our life group. They can't come to our Bibles. Oh, really? I thought Jesus, if I remember correctly, it said he was a friend of sinners and tax collectors. Hang out with them. Love them. Be with them. How else are people going to know Jesus Christ unless we're with them? Don't, don't be fooled to be in the high tower. Just be, praise and just worship. Just 24-7, Pastor. And I just got my spirit on and Holy Spirit. And we just had this holy huddle party. And we're just so anointed. But we never went anybody to Jesus. Are you kidding me? That's not following Jesus. Following Jesus as he was with the poor. He was with those that are destitute. He was with those who could not help themselves. And he loved them so much that he, they listened to his truth. He is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but my man. I just feel like somebody today needs to get saved. If you're here today, well, you know, I've been in church for a while. Or I've been in church as a little kid. I'm just coming back to the church. I am so glad you're here. Really, man, if there's any one place, I want you to be here. But it's not just to be in the building for church. It's to hear God. You know what? I want to know that I'm going to heaven and I want my kids to be there. So sign me up. I'll accept Jesus right now. Yeah. I just sense that there's some people in here. Just let's just come on. Let's take a risk. Right. And it's not blind. The word, man, there's so much truth in there. You're stepping on solid ground. You're stepping on solid ground. Woo! So 10 plagues. Exodus 12, 31. Let's just turn over here. Exodus 12, 31. This plot thickens here. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go. Worship the Lord. God is faithful. God can change anything overnight. You got a kid in trouble? One of your grandkids in, 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 in a mess? A situation that's like, this will just be going on until Jesus comes. May not. Jesus could release those people overnight. Because one faithful deliverer went 
and he stayed with it for 10 plagues. Finally, can you see Pharaoh sitting on his throne, all of his garb and all of his gold and all of his men around him? Fine, just get the heck out of here. Take the silver and gold, leave. And God says, yeah, go. Because I had a plan that I was gonna deliver you. You just needed to hang on. Trust me, trust. Faith is trusting when I don't understand. Faith is trusting. Unshakable faith trusts when I don't want to. Unshakable faith is proven when I really want to do this thing over here, but God, I know you're calling me to do this here. And then when we choose that, God ushers in a huge blessing, man. It's so cool. It's so cool to follow God and make a decision to step out in faith rather than do what I want to do. Okay, all right. Let's go. Here's the coolest thing. Two to three million people are exiting. That's what exodus. They're exiting out of poverty. They're exiting out of, of, of slavery. They're exiting out of all that pain and all that heartache and slave labor for nothing. If I'm sure it felt that way. That's why they cried out to God for over 400 years. And God said, your time is now. You're coming out into the promised land, man. Into the promised land. Two to three million people. Two to three million people. That's a lot of people. I was thinking in my mind, visually, what does that look like? So I thought, Angel Stadium. And there's about 50,000 you can pack in there. How many would that be? That would be like 20, 30. That would be a lot of people moving. And Moses and Aaron got to move these people as a shepherd leads his flock. And chapter 12 basically talks a lot about the laws and rules because God wanted to protect them during this detour that he was taking. Let's look at Exodus now 13, uh, verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not let them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Darn it. For God said, if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God let the people uh, led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. This is where it gets really juicy, man. It gets good. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. God knows what he's doing. Have you ever felt like God took you? But this way is shorter over here, Lord. And God says, uh-uh, you trust me. We're going over here. Because I know one of the greatest miracles and one of my favorites in the entire Bible. Do I believe God did it? Absolutely. Do I believe it was by the hand of God? Absolutely. Do I believe God used a guy named Moses? Absolutely. And God did it. And we are benefactors of their, the miracle God did. I'll show you in just a second. God is a God who is the God, not just of yesterday, but today and tomorrow. Amen. Let's go on to Exodus 14 now, 5, 3. If you're following along in your Bible, let's just, let's just continue on in the word here. So when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind. Are you kidding me? A leader that changes his mind? Really? And his officials, I heard that over there. And his officials changed their minds about them and said this. What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he made his chariot and made ready and took his army with him. He took six, visualize this now, 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with the officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. I've always kind of struggled with this. What do you mean? Why would God harden somebody's heart? I thought God wanted every heart to be soft. Yes, but remember the 10 plagues? He hardened his own heart. 
If there's a Bible verse that says when we continue to sin and we know what we're doing and we just continue to do it and we're Christian, our hearts get seared like a hot iron and all of a sudden we lose our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't God made him evil. God didn't make him make these decisions. God says, you know, Pharaoh, I warned you, man. Don't you ever come against my people. Remember the timeline, Israel? Don't come against my people. Don't fight them. Don't abuse them. Don't hurt them. Because if you do, there's consequences. He gave Pharaoh a chance to repent, and he didn't do it. And that's why it says he was left up to his own, and God, ultimately, he sealed his own fate, which is a tragedy. It's a tragedy when we see anybody harden their heart, but it's worse when we see leaders who are not humble and consecrated to the Lord and say, God, thank you for this position. Thank you for the family you've given me. Thank you, God, for the house. Thank you for the cars. Thank you for the position I have, God, in society. Thank you, Lord. It's all you. I want to handle it so well, God. I want to handle it honoring you. He had all these chances. You ever feel like the world is chasing after you? Anyone here ever feel like there's chariots and they're chasing after you? Come on, man, temptation. Come on, do it, do it, do it. You have some friends who are like doing really well in life and they couldn't give a rip about God. They don't give any, any, any kind of a concern for faith. They don't love God. They don't, in fact, they're hostile against God. And it seems like they're doing really, really well. And you're in this relationship with Jesus in this time of wilderness and suffering. And my kids aren't always, always the way I want them to be. And my finances aren't always the way. And how come I'm stuck in this rut? And I love you, Jesus. Anyone ever here just feel that way? I just want to say, hang on, hang on, continue to live in faith. Remember taking the risk? That's what Moses did. That's what the Israelites did. I hope you noticed a shift in Hebrews chapters uh, 11, where at 23 to 27, he, Moses, he, Moses, he, Moses. Then it moves into they, Israel, they, Israel, them. There's three times it mentions in, in 28 to 30, meaning he's talking about the community, the congregation stepping out in faith together. That's why our finances, it's not about the money. It's about, I believe, what God is doing. Have your children been blessed by the ministry? Have your teens been blessed by what's going on here? Have you been blessed by, a lot of that takes finances and that's why it's so easy on the backside of your, your, your sermon notes to just QR code this and it gives all the information about how to switch over and we want you to do that. It's just giving our very best to God and that's what Israel was doing. They gave their very, very best. They gave their firstborn, they, everything they had was God and they trusted him. So Exodus 14, let's continue on 15 to 18. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians, oh my gosh, marching after them. They were what? Strong in the Lord and never turned back. No, it doesn't say that. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here out into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Puh. Now watch Moses' response. Oh, we, but we don't ever get like that. We don't complain, do we? It would have been better if I never accepted Jesus. I wouldn't have all of these problems now. Right? Look, look at Moses. I love it. Moses answered to the people, do not be afraid. You see Charlton Heston with a staff, Right? 
Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never, you will never see them again. Verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Verse 15. Problem. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I, did, did you miss something here? Because I did. Wait, wait, wait a second. Be strong in the Lord. Do not be afraid. God will deliver you. Don't worry. The chariots are going down. The Egyptians are going down. You just stay with the Lord. Be still. He'll fight the battle. Why are you crying out to me, Moses? Something happened. I don't know if it was something like this. I just think it might have been. Moses, be strong in the Lord. Do not be afraid. God will fight your battles. God, if you don't come through, there's a conversation between God and Moses. God, if you don't come through in this, because I just stuck my neck out on the line in front of all your people, three million of them. God, you better come through here. I think there was a little bit of fear in Moses. Can I be real honest with you about this opening? I, I don't like talking about money because it's so sensitive. And it brings me back to all the churches that rip people off and religious leaders that rip people off and took money and ran and all that stuff. It makes it harder for those that are trying to do right to just say, let's just give and trust God. I don't, I don't, I, I'm uncomfortable because when I say like, hey, let's just all give to the Lord and give to the storehouse and what God's doing here. I will be honest with you. There's a conversation. God, it's your, I know it's your church. You better handle this. God, it's your budget. It's your church. You can do it, Lord. There's a little bit of fear in me and a little bit of trepidation. I'll be honest. But at the end of the day, Moses trusted God. Can I say this? Having unshakable faith does not mean that you're not afraid. So that's the Christian. That's the, that's, that's, that's the What's, what's the word, Brian? There's, there's a Christian cliche that just, it's just, everything's right. Everything's great. And just, I don't ever have problems. And no, I should never be afraid because God said, don't be afraid. God said, don't be afraid to bring me back to when I am afraid. I guess I'm the only one that got that one. Because there's times in my life that I am really afraid. There's been many times. And I know there will be some future times when I'm afraid. So when I'm afraid, I go back to where God said, don't be afraid. That's what, Moses, that's what Moses did. That's what he did. Check this out. This is so cool. 365 times. There's 365 days in here. 365 times God said, do not be afraid in the scripture. Because he knew we needed one every single day. Right? Deuteronomy 31.8. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. If you're in COVID land, God knew we'd be in all this mess and all this stuff. Don't be discouraged. You keep doing what you're doing. Isaiah 43, 1. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God says, you are mine, baby. I bought you with a price. You are mine. I redeemed you. No one can snatch you from my hand. And the last one, 1 John 4, 18, my, one of my favorites, perfect love casts out all fear. Which leads us to number two. God will always get the glory. Feel like you've blown it. Feel like you haven't had strong faith. Feel like you made mistakes. Feel like, oh my gosh, if I could go back and redo that one, I would give millions, God, if I could do that. It's okay. God is a God who redeems, forgives, and he resets. God can reset anything. Exodus 14, 21 to 31. It's 12 verses. I don't think we have... Brian, how much time do we have? I'm running way over. We don't have time to read the whole thing, but let's just... I just want you to make reference to it. Mark it in your phones. It's such a good text. 
He leads the people out to where the Red Sea is. Do you see the chariots? 650 of them, all these men, dust flying everywhere over the hills. And all of a sudden they're coming and the Israelites are afraid. Moses says, don't be afraid. And God says, lift your staff up, Moses. Lift it up, man. Lift it high. Can you see? The wind is starting to gust. You actually, you know, they actually have the exact place where the Red Sea was parted and they've seen chariot wheels and all that stuff. It's factual stuff. It's artifacts that's there. This stuff really happened. The wind is blowing. The sea, this roar, man, all of a sudden, these walls start to separate. Two to three million people are now walking through. And here's number one miracle. The walls of water separate. Number two miracle, it says in the text, dry land. If there was water over that thing, it would have been muddy, it would have been wet, they would have been sloshing around. How are we going to get out of this? We're stuck. Dry ground. God can give you dry ground. Well, you don't know, man. I've been struggling with addiction for 27 years. Dude, God can do anything. If he could do that with the Israelites, he'd create the world in six days. He can take care of your addiction. He can take care of those problems. He can take care of anything. God says to Moses, I'll do my part. You do your part. That's the word for me today, because I just want God to do everything. Oh, God will just do it. Pixie dust, spiritual pixie dust, Holy Spirit dust. God will just do it. God will do it. God just do it. I'll just sit here and do it. God, you raised, did you notice? You raised the staff. You raised the staff, and then God parted the sea. Can I, I don't mean any harm. I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but I'll tell you, when you come here, I want you to feel a little bit of conviction, man. I want you to feel like, God, I got to change this. God, this is not right, but there's always hope in Jesus. There's always hope in God. You ready for this? Some of us haven't seen God move. Some of us haven't seen God move because he hasn't seen us move yet. Oh, I just love Bobby so much. I just love Bobby. We're going to get married and he just makes my heart fulfilled and we just have sex together and it's just so great and we just, it's awesome, it's awesome and just, we're just, God will forgive me and God will. It doesn't really matter if I cheat on my taxes because they owe me anyway. The stupid government, the Democrats, the Republicans, the Libertarians, just, I just need that. that. That's my money. I work for that. It's mine. It doesn't matter if I just cut the corners. Oh, that broken relationship, man. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they did. They stuck a knife in my back and they twisted it right behind me. I'm not making it right with them. I'm not forgiving till they forgive first. Why should I go first when they wronged me? You see where we go with this? And God is waiting to heal all that. God is waiting to let you out of prison. He's just waiting on you. So we gotta be free, man. We gotta be free. Freedom comes with a cost. Freedom comes with a price. Jesus paid the price. He just wants you to receive it. That's, that's, that's the end of this thing. Now, we got to wind this, this, this thing down. But the bottom line is, you got to receive it. So this week, God's been really working on my heart, dude. He's been working on me over time. I went up and did a wedding for some friends of mine up near Mammoth. Six hours of driving by myself. A lot of time to talk to God. And a lot of time of listening to God. And some Rolling Stones in there and Beatles too. But I just need to share this with you. I've been worrying about the budget. God, if we can't, then we have to do this. And then we have to do this. And I'm already plotting out. Not to say that planning isn't right. 
God was speaking to my heart all the way up to 395. Anyone have been on the 395 highway? Woo, that's the devil's trap, dude. There is nothing for like 60 miles. And it's just time to think and listen and pray. And God just kept over and over reminding of that statement again. I got this. Aren't you preaching about faith next week? Aren't you preaching? So I'm in the same boat. We're all in here. Got to trust. Do my part. You do your part. God will come through. Amen? Amen. Three. I always want to try and finish with some action points. How can I practically do this? So real quick on the back of your, on your sermon notes, there's just some things here to think about. Here's a question. So what risks have you been unwilling because of the fear of failure? Ah, oh, come on. All of us, some of us got some fear of failure in there. Consider taking a risk that you've been unwilling because of the fear of failure. I really want to ask you to step out and risk and step on that solid ground. Number two is, what comforts do you need to let go of? Step out in faith. Let go of comforts in your life. Even if it's just one, pray and do it. And the last one, where here in your life will you let go and move forward in faith? I'm talking about moving forward, not backward. Moving forward, we'll get to the end of the Red Sea. We will get to the opening. God will close the thing and he will destroy our enemies. Amen. Let go out of an area of your life Maybe your life to move forward in faith in. Maybe it's being baptized on October 31st. Just do it. Jesus said, do it. Let's do it. Have faith in him. That's all it requires. Repent and give your life to Jesus. Let's go. What a statement, dude, at the end of the, at the, at the, at the, the, end of the month to the enemy. You don't have Halloween. We have Halloween. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. That's about all I have to say about that now. So let's pray. I've talked way too long, God, but I know your words, your words, God, are never, never without. I just pray, God, someone in here has the conviction that you love them. And there's so much that's waiting for them if they just take that staff, hold it up, and trust in you, God. I pray for all of us as a congregation, as a community, just the way you meant it in Hebrews 11, God. We see those little things in there in scripture. It's so cool that you moved it to they and them. We just bring before you this financial fall, uh, shortfall, God, and we just, we trust you. We're all in the same boat, God, you know, and we trust you. We just, we give, we're generous, we trust. And I just, we just give it back to you, Lord. But more importantly, God, if there's any soul here that's on the line, God, we pray somebody, somebody, God, yes to Jesus Christ today. And God, for those who, who are all in, God, give us the strength to continue to move forward in faith, even when it's hard. And we're looking at a wall of water that's thinking, no way. Thank you for this example. You can make a way, God. We love you, Jesus. Pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.